Hi, friends. How are we doing? That's awesome. Well, I'm really glad you're here. And uh, good news. You're not stuck with me. Until next week. And then you'll be stuck with me for a long, long time. This morning, I invited our friend Rob Harder to speak from the scriptures. Rob's no stranger to most of you. He is the director of the Christian Center of Park City. That's a nonprofit organization that helps a lot of people throughout our state. I'm thankful for Rob's partnership. His ministry has long been a ministry partner of Capital. We're thankful that we get to, to, to serve through his organization. And I'm most thankful that I get to call this man a friend. He has been that for a number of years now. And I'm thankful for his ministry. I'm thankful for the way he's spoken into my life and into our church community. So, before Rob comes, why don't we take a moment and invite God to speak to us. Father, in this moment, we are reminded you give us everything we need to do everything you want us to do. So, Lord, I pray. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have to say to us. May, may we see this message as your provision. Help us listen and learn in the name of King Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Troy. Good morning, Capital Church. How are you? Good. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Frozen Chosen Church. Uh, you survived <laughs> the ride. It was kind of fun and this morning coming down from Park City. I just slipped and slid all the way down to Salt Lake. It was awesome. Um, no, it was great. Great to have you here. It's fun to be with you, and it's a new year. So over the last probably 10 days, you've spent some time looking over last year, perhaps. And what I thought it would be kind of fun to kick off today is just a review last year, some of the top events that happened last year. So why don't you join me today up on the screen. We'll just kind of review some of those top things that happened, good and bad. Uh, number one, the Rio Summer Olympics was, was last year. What a, it's hard to believe it was that warm, you know, at one time. Um, but the Summer Olympics were so fun to watch, right? And the Americans did really, really well last year. One of the highlights of 2016. Last year also on a low light, was the contentious presidential election campaign. And we're going to leave it at that. So we're just going to keep moving. Uh, so did you know that last year also was the unprecedented $1.6 billion Powerball jackpot? Three people won it. They split $1.6 billion. That's, that's incredible. That happened last year. Highlight, low light depends on who you are. Um, and then last uh, year also we had the standoffs in Oregon. Remember the big standoffs in Oregon, the Bundy Group? And then there's still a standoff going on in the Dakotas right now regarding the pipeline controversy. Of course, then there was the Zika outbreak that threatened to shut down the Summer Olympics. Became a bigger deal than we initially thought. And then we move on to other big debates like the transgender bathroom debate raged on last year. And then really on a low note, uh, of course, last year, horrendous terrorist attacks uh, from Brussels to an Orlando nightclub. Uh, sadly, terrorism reared its ugly head once again last year. And other controversial issues, the Black Lives Matter movement and the debate raging over police use of force continues to rage on as uh, something that will continue into 2017. Now, on a lighter note, um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but Harriet Tubman now is on the $20 bill. Did you know that? That's kind of cool. So it's in circulation now. Harriet Tubman is the new face of the $20 bill. Here's another thing you may uh, not know, but Pittsburgh legalized Uber's self-driving vehicles. 
Seriously, um, they call it, so they're self-driving vehicles that Uber, I guess, oversees, and then there's a human supervisor, as they call it. They literally call it, so you supervise the car, but it self-drives. And I just realized, I'm really glad I live in Salt Lake and not in Pittsburgh, um, actually in Park City, but you know, the whole, now I want to live in Pittsburgh right now uh, until that's done or fixed or something. Um, That was last year. The other thing was big last year was the Pokemon Go phenomenon. How many people got into Pokemon Go? All right, good. Uh, yeah, just don't do it during the sermon. It could be really distracting if you're jumping off the stage or diving for a Pokemon. Anyway, uh, but that was a big phase last year. All right, let's move on to movies and entertainment. Do you remember who won Best Picture? Spotlight. That obviously made a big impact on everybody. Um, Spotlight, it's actually a riveting film about the Catholic Church abuse scandal. That was the big Best Picture last year. Um, the Best Album of the Year award? Anybody know? Taylor Swift, we got a fan over here, 1989, and my girls were so glad about that one. They loved that song. A lot of you are closet fans of Taylor Swift. It's okay. It's okay to be honest about that. Um, and then the best new artist of the year was another power woman, Megan Trainer. Again, my kids were very excited about that. So she was the best new artist of the year. Now, moving on to sports, Cleveland upset Golden State for the NBA championship. Anybody Cleveland fans in this house? Oh, good, a few. We will forgive those two people. So um, I thought we got rid of all of them. No, just kidding, just kidding. I'm just kidding. That was a great win. King James came through. And then the Chicago Cubs won the World Series. How fun is that, huh? We're just going to have to wait another 100 years for that to happen again. I mean, it's not going to, it's no big deal. (laughs) That was really fun. I think everyone was excited about this. But most important, God's team, the Denver Broncos, won the Super Bowl. Okay, let's just be honest about that. Yes. In fact, we're just going to have a pause and a moment of silence um, just to reflect on that amazing win because it's not going to happen this year. So, uh, nope, uh, they didn't make the playoffs. Way to go. Um, Anyway, here we are starting a brand new year. We all need a fresh start, right? Kind of January 1, we think it's time for a fresh start. And uh, in fact, how many people did New Year's resolutions? Just out of curiosity, how many have done? Okay, good, a few of you. How many people have already broken your New Year's resolutions? Okay, good. We have a few honest people. Our next series is going to be on honesty uh, next week. Anyway, no, uh, we all do. We, we make them and we break them very quickly. In fact, it was interesting. Uh, one of the things we did with my girls and my wife um, on January 1st, we uh, did this little exercise. Not original with me, but it's a great idea. You can try it. Um, we went around the table after dinner and said, okay, what we want you to do is write down on a piece of paper the top three events of last year. All right, and if my youngest was like 10, she just kept writing. She's so excited. All right, so then you write down all these things. You crumple up the piece of paper, throw it in the middle of the table, and then we all took a piece of paper and read it, and we tried to figure out who it was that, uh, you know, had these things listed out. Kind of a fun experience to figure out what were the highlights according to my kids, according to my wife, according to me. So it was a fun kind of discussion. Then we went to, okay, do the same thing, but this time write down what's one theme, one idea, one goal, one word for 2017. Same thing, write it down on a piece of paper, crumple it up as a snowball, throw it in the middle of the table, read it and see who it was, and then discuss it. And it was really interesting to do that as a family. It's really, really cool. And uh, so as I think about all of us, when we we launch into a brand new year, it is, it kind of feels like a fresh slate. We have this brand new, fresh start. The possibilities are endless, as we used to say, right? Um, So on January 1, in fact, if you went jogging on January 1, you went jogging for every day of the entire year. That's really impressive if you think about that, right? If you went skiing on January 1, you probably had some of the best powder we've had in 10 years. Um, If you avoided that double fudge chocolate cake for dessert on January 1, you've avoided successfully temptation for the entire year. 
I mean, it's pretty impressive. If you were nice to your in-laws, if you fulfilled the honey-do list, if you haven't lost your temper, you didn't get a speeding ticket, at least for one day, your life is a perfect reflection of your highest ideals and dreams. But then comes January 2nd. Yeah, and then January 3rd, and here we are, January 8th, and many of us need a fresh start all over again. That's just kind of the way it is, right? So here's my question. Would you be interested if I said there's a better way to live? Yeah, there's a better option. In fact, last week, if you remember, if you were here, Kelly gave this great message uh, that came to an invitation that Jesus offered all of us. And I don't know about you, but uh, I needed that message. I really did. In fact, here's kind of the image from last week. If you were here, if you weren't, this is what the main idea was to resolve to recover rest for your weary soul. Oh man, if you missed that one, go listen to it on the podcast. It is fantastic. And I just, I needed it. I needed rest. And maybe you do too. And so this came out of the passage where Jesus offered his yoke. It says, take my yoke upon you and I'll give you rest. And this idea, that's part of this invitation. So what I want to do is kind of build off of that because Jesus lived his life as kind of one big invitation for us to follow him, right? Remember the first disciples, what did he say to them? Follow me. Follow me, I'll show you a new way to live. In fact, historians say this, rabbis back in Jesus' day, um, when they would talk about a yoke, it actually was another term for teaching. So rabbis would talk about taking on the yoke of Torah, you know, which is the scriptures. And so uh, new rabbis potentially would come and have a new yoke, a new teaching, a new interpretation on the scriptures. And so when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, it was this idea, I've got this teaching that you can take and enter into your life, a whole new way of living and thinking your life. And my yoke, my teaching will give you rest. So that's one aspect of it. But there's other aspects to Jesus' teaching. There's other aspects to Jesus' invitation that were also part of his yoke. And so what I'd like to talk about today is what he considered, Jesus considered, to be the greatest, most important commandment in all of Scripture. Maybe some of you remember a, a, a lawyer, a, someone who was an expert in the law, came to Jesus and said, what is the most important commandment in Scripture? In other words, what should I most be worried about in life or most concerned about? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Those two, all the law, all the prophets, all the Scriptures point to those two things. Love God, love others. If you're not doing that, you've missed it. So it boiled down to that. So that's what I like to kind of talk about today when we uh, go into this message about this new year, what, what, what should we be about? What if it's one goal or one theme, one idea for 2017? What does Jesus mean by love, though? We, we, we love all kinds of things, right? We, we love Chipotle burritos. We love deep powder skiing. We love the Utah jazz for some reason. I don't know why, but some people do. Anyway, uh, we love all kinds of things, right? What does love really mean? It's a squishy term, right? It can be used for all kinds of things. What does love really mean in this context? Let me give a couple of scriptures that speak to this. 1 John 3.18 says this, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. In other words, words are cheap, right? You can say you love something, somebody, all you want. But if there's no actions to back that up, it's just cheap words, right? And then if you look further, this passage mentions this. The word love here is the word agape. Many of you know that term. It's a Greek term. And agape love that First John is describing here is not just a feeling-based love. 
No, it's a love that um, has feeling, but it's expressed through tangible expressions of love. It's a other-centered love, not a self-centered love. It's an other-centered love. In fact, listen to how Jesus described his mission in life. He said this in Mark 10, 45, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. The Son of Man is another term for Messiah, so Jesus was describing his mission. Wasn't here to be served, but to serve. So I submit to you today that what I want to talk about is this, that life, it's not about what you get out of life, it's about what you give through your life that really matters. It's not about what we get out of life. It's what we give through our life that matters. Let me explain this a little bit. Uh, John 10.10, another passage up here on the screen. This is one of my favorite verses. Here's what it says. It says, I have come, Jesus says, I have come that they, us, may have life and have it to the full. I don't know about you, but that's what I want in my life. I want it to have life in all of its fullness. Another word, uh, phrase that we use around here is to become fully alive, right? What makes you fully alive? We all want that, right? Who doesn't want that? I want that. How do I get that? Now, as I share that, I realize that, at least for me, when I hear that term, fully alive, uh, certain images come to mind. So I'll share one of them. Uh, how many people have gone to Lagoon here in, yes, it's wonderful experience, very spiritual experience, depends what you do. Uh, how many people have done the Tower of Doom in Lagoon? Okay, good, a lot more than the first couple of services. All right, good. Tower of Doom, you have to do it, must, must, must do. Um, it's right in the center of Lagoon. And so my daughter, this a couple of years ago, my daughter, Emma, my oldest, wanted to go on it. And I was like, let's do this. So we get in this long line, and everything was really, really good, and we're watching people go up. And uh, until we're the next ones in line, and you saw the people come down from the left. And then I looked at my daughter, and her face just filled with terror as she realized this ride takes you up 200 feet and drops you at 60 miles an hour, 200 feet back down. And like, okay, so here's what we're gonna do. So we're gonna get in and we're gonna scream. I will scream like a girl. We're gonna scream and get all of our fear out as we go down, okay? Deal. <laughs> and so it's one of those rides where they cl you know, clamp you in and your legs are dangling and just free. And they bring you up, 200 feet, 200 feet. And you can see all of Salt Lake. It's really scary. Um, and you're up there, and then boom, they release, and you're dropping six, uh, 60 miles an hour. And I just tried to scream, and I was like, but there's no words coming out because the G-forces were so strong, I couldn't even form a word. And at the bottom of that, I, we were done with the ride. I'm like, I feel fully alive right now because I was going to meet Jesus at the end of this ride. Whoa. Or have a heart attack or something. That's the Tower of Doom. You want to go now? Yeah, it's, it's really, it's quite fun. I told you it's a spiritual experience. No, the reason I share that is because I think we hear, hear the word life in all its fullness, you know, uh, fully alive, and we think of an adrenaline rush like taking the Tower of Doom ride. Or we think about deep powder skiing or some other spiritual rush we're looking for in our spiritual life. And, and the reason I mention that is because if that's what you're looking for, like, okay, that's what I want, but why don't I feel this adrenaline rush when I follow Jesus? Well, that may involve that, but it's much deeper than some adrenaline rush that we're supposed to be looking for. No, when Jesus says life in all its fullness, here's what it means. I believe that Jesus lays out what it means to have life in all its fullness is to discover and to live out the very purpose for which you were created. To discover and live out the very purpose God put you on this earth for. When you begin to understand that, your life becomes very full. You become fully alive because you're connected with your creator. 
you understand what he has you here for. Now, it may involve some adrenaline rush moments, but it may involve some very mundane, really basic. In fact, it may involve some really painful experiences. It's part of the world we live in. But the key is understanding why God has you here and the purpose for which you were created. That's understanding life in all its fullness. In fact, let me give you a little, another scripture that gives us a little bit more idea of what has God called us to do. Ephesians 2.10 up here on the screen. Paul says this. He says, for we, all of us, are God's handiwork, or another uh, translation is masterpiece, which I like, God's handiwork or masterpiece created in Christ Jesus, what? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. I believe that God has hardwired all of us with this deep desire to do something good with our life, to make a difference, to actually make the world a better place or to serve God in some way. God has hardwired us. It's, it's in us. Now, some of us, that may be really down deep and we've run roughshod over it and we haven't heard that voice for a long time. Others of us are just moving forward in that, knowing exactly what that means. I don't know where you are today, but I believe that all of us, regardless of where you are in your spiritual journey, have this hardwired into us. God has created us to want to make a difference with our one and only life and to understand why we're here and to serve God and serve others as an expression of loving God and loving others. This is the very core of what God created us to do and to be. It's not about what we get out of life. It's what we give through our life that really matters. And Jesus lived that out. So if we want to follow Jesus, we want to accept this invitation to follow him, it's going to involve service to God and service to others in some aspect. And it's not a downer or a bummer. It's like, how exciting is this? God has adventures for us. Maybe we've never experienced so to get thinking about that, here's I've got something I want you to do. You should have received a postcard when you uh, sat down in your seat. Go ahead and if you have one, just go ahead and hold it up. Just to make sure you have one. If you don't have one, raise your left hand and an ushers will get you a postcard because I want everyone to have a postcard. So if you have your postcard, good. If you don't have one, we got a bunch in the front there. So those who have one, take a pen out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down one, two, or three things that you would like someone to serve you in in some way, to do something for you, for free. Okay, say that one more time. So when you have a card, I want you to write down one, two, or three things you just would love someone to do for you for free. Let me give you a couple examples. It could be shovel the driveway like today. That would be a nice thing for free. Babysit your kids. Wouldn't that be awesome for free? Cook a meal for you. Maybe cook a gourmet meal. Give you a foot massage. Pay your mortgage for a month. That would be awesome. Give you a hug. Give you a compliment. Have someone listen to you without interruption. Whatever it is, what would you like someone to do for you, to serve you in a way? Now, as you're doing this, do not put your name on it. And don't share anything too personal that someone else, if they read it, you'd be embarrassed, okay? So nothing too personal, don't put your name on it. But put down one, two, or three things, ways you would like someone to serve you. I'll give you about... 20, 30 seconds, there's no Jeopardy background music, sorry, but go ahead and write out on your card what you'd like someone to do for you, all right? We got a few more people without cards. Go ahead and sign away. You can, if you're like my daughter, you can do 10 things if you want. Get really excited. All right, it's about 15 more seconds. So yeah, what would you like someone to do for you? Everybody got something? The rest of you? All right. 
I know some of you are like, what is a pen and paper? I mean, you do everything on your computer or your phone. I was like, what is this archaic pen? Anyway, so uh, generations are changing. Okay, so you've got something in mind. We'll come back to your cards. So hold on to it. Don't, don't, don't lose them. Uh, I do want to say this. It's not always as easy as it sounds to ask for something uh, to be done for you. In fact, there was a couple that had been fighting for a long time. They both wanted different things. and They kind of came down to this big argument about what he wanted in a car and what she wanted. He wanted a truck. She wanted a fast sports car. So finally, she got so frustrated. She's like, okay, listen, I want something that goes from zero to 180 in under four seconds, and I want it for my birthday. And if I don't get it, things are going to get mighty lonely for you around here if you get my drift. Every guy knows exactly what she means by that. And uh, so uh, the birthday day comes and she wakes up, goes into the garage. There is no car in the garage. She's very frustrated, very disappointed. Looks for her husband. The husband's nowhere to be found. Goes up to her bathroom to get ready for the day. As she's in the bathroom, she looks down and a red ribbon is around a weight scale. Yeah, that... Um Funerals are pending for this man, um, so guys don't ever even think about doing that, okay? That is like the worst thing ever, um, so don't even think about it, okay? Just brutal, okay? He needed a fresh start. He needs a fresh start desperately, so it's not as easy as you may think of having a need and having someone meet that need. It it's, uh, can get really dicey quickly. Okay, so back to what we're talking about was this, that God created all of us to want to make a difference with our life. God created us with this hardwired desire to really serve others and make a difference again with the unique talents and unique abilities that we have. In fact, what's fun about this group is every one of you are unique in your personalities, your strengths, your gifts, your experiences, and God has unique and very personal ways he wants to use you uh, in this world. And uh, that's the fun thing. So what is that and how do we do that? We'll talk about that in a bit, but the bottom line is this. It's really clear throughout scriptures, particularly when Jesus says, follow me, that life in all its fullness, if we really want to experience life to the full, as Jesus says, it's going to involve service to God, service to others, as an expression of loving God and loving others. So how do we do this? Now, to give us a little bit more insight on this, I want to look at John 13 today, because John 13 has this great story about Jesus, probably one of the most powerful examples of what Jesus really meant about service to God, service to others. So open your Bibles to John 13 if you do have your Bibles with you. Otherwise, it'll be up here on the screen. I realize, by the way, for a lot of us, you've heard this story Many, many times. My hope is today you may look at it with new eyes, perhaps. Hear it with new ears, because I want you to, to really see what Jesus did for his disciples. All right, let me just set the st uh, stage for you. In this chapter, we read about Jesus eating a meal with his followers. Everything has been arranged. The table is set. The food has been prepared. But someone misses the very important rule or job of washing people's feet as they come in for a meal. And we'll get to that in a bit. All right, so John 13, here's how it goes. The verse up here on the screen, the evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured out uh, water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now picture it. Put yourself in this story here. Jesus realizes no one's washed the feet of everyone who came to this meal, which is a basic thing back in that day. So he decides to do it. So there he is standing before his disciples. He's the rabbi, their leader. Towel is dripping, brown with dirt probably at that point, a basin full of dark, murky water. As Jesus kneels down and washes every one of his disciples' feet, 
including Judas, Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, and he knew that. Peter even, once he starts washing Peter's feet, Peter's like, no, 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 Lord, you shouldn't do this. Or if you do, wash all of me because I'm a sinful man kind of thing, right? But no, Jesus says, I must do this to set you an example. So he washes all of their feet. And he goes on to say this, verse 12, when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? Jesus asked. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So here's the story. An iconic story. Now, again, many of you have heard this story before. Maybe you've not for a while. Let me give you a little bit of background if you've forgotten the customs back then. It was very much a custom. Like, this is standard practice. Um, yeah, this is like 101 Martha Stewart type hospitality. If you came to someone's home, you had to wash their feet. That was just what you did. Uh, back then, they didn't have, you know, shoes like we have today, Nikes and Vans and, you know, leather boots and whatnot. They had sandals for the most part, right? And they walked on streets that were not paved. They were covered with dirt and mud at times. So when people would come to a home for a meal, their feet were caked with mud. You can imagine, right? So one of the common things that people would do is they'd have a servant. A servant would meet you and wash your feet before you came into a meal. Also, back then, they didn't sit in chairs for a meal. They actually reclined at a table. So they were kind of more laying, if you will, towards the table. And so you'd kick your feet back this way, and then you'd lean in towards the table to eat. So, But if you were in the wrong position or came in the wrong way, you may find yourself face-to-face with dirty feet that are covered in mud. And that's a total social faux pas, right? Every good person who was a good host would offer the washing of feet before you had a meal. In fact, in Luke 7, you remember this story, this, the home of Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to have you know, a meal and he or whoever the host was, it sounds like it's Simon the Pharisee, neglected to wash Jesus' feet. And why do we know that? It's because that's the story where the prostitute comes in and washes Jesus' feet and wipes them with her hair. And Jesus said, you forgot to wash my feet. That's like number one rule. You wash somebody's feet. So did they not feel like Jesus was worthy? We don't know. Was it a major mistake? We're not sure. Bottom line is it was expected that someone would wash the feet of those who are guests at a home. Now, typically this would be done, again, as by the lowliest of servants. In fact, it was, so, it was considered such a kind of dirty, menial job, very low on the totem pole. Um, in some Jewish circles, they didn't want to have to mess with it, so they'd hire a non-Jewish person to wash people's feet because it was considered so dirty and menial. And so here they is. So picture this. The disciples are there. They know no one washed their feet. And I don't know if Peter's like, maybe I should have. No, wait, Andrew should have. No, wait, John should have. I, I don't know what was going on. All we know is in the middle of the meal, Jesus gets up and he washes their feet. The rabbi, the leader, the son of God, God in the flesh, gets down on his knees and washes his disciples' feet. He wanted to make sure they never, ever forgot this moment because it was going to mark the type of ministry that he was calling them to. In fact, it's so interesting as I think about this, I can imagine the room getting really quiet. You probably can hear a pin drop as Jesus slowly and painstakingly washes each person's feet. In fact, I love how Max Lucado says this. Here's his quote. He says, hands that shape the stars now wash away filth. 
Fingers that formed mountains now massage toes. And the one before whom all nations will one day kneel now kneels before his disciples. Hours before his own death, Jesus' concern is singular. He wants his disciples to know how much he loves them. And Jesus did this as an example for all of us. He said, I do this for you as your Lord and teacher, and you too likewise are to wash each other's feet. So being a follower of Jesus involves foot washing. In fact, here, listen to what Bill Hybels, teacher and speaker, pastor, says this. He says, Jesus unapologetically, with no ambiguity whatsoever, calls every one of his followers to acts of kindness and servanthood like foot washing. He says, I want it to be a distinctive characteristic of people who bear my name. Jesus doesn't make this call in some dreamy or esoteric way. He calls and teaches and demonstrates this in a very painstakingly practical way. He says, I'm calling you to simple acts of service and kindness like foot washing. You know, it's interesting. Uh, Troy mentioned I, I get the privilege of uh, being the director of a nonprofit called the Christian Center of Park City. And uh, we do a lot of different things. Uh, in fact, our main mission, our main mission is to seek to meet the needs of people as an expression of God's love. I mean, that, that's, our, that's literally our mission, to seek to meet the needs of people and meet them at their point of need as an expression of God's love. So we get an opportunity to do that all the time. Uh, in fact, it's not an unusual thing to come to the Christian Center, and as you walk in the beginning of the day, um, there's a collection of people ready to come in, and mo many of them are homeless. They're ready to get warm. They're ready to get some coffee. They're ready to have some food and have their other needs met, and that's why we're there, and we're happy to do it. Um, I could tell you so many stories of the, the, the people we get to serve and the things we get to see, but I'll tell you one story about uh, one individual who's homeless. If you're in Park City, you know who this person is because she uh, sadly is terribly mentally ill, and so she won't get really the, the, the long-term help that she needs, but we help her as much as we can. In fact, I remember the first time that this lady came through our food pantry. Um, she is homeless, obviously, but she's as I mentioned, had serious mental illness. And she had come in and she had soiled herself severely. I mean, probably more than one time. And so she comes in and I had my staff tell me after the fact, they said, Rob, when she walked in, the smell was so pungent. I physically got sick. They had to leave the room. It was so bad. And then for whatever reason, she had some cuts on her arm. She was bleeding. And you could tell she'd been out for a while. I mean, she almost didn't look human. And it was one of those experiences. And I was so proud of my staff because, you know, they were able to serve her what she needed and got her food, but at the same time gently got her out of there as quickly as possible because she was ruining the experience for everyone else in the food pantry, right? So you showed compassion, but you also want to be mindful of everyone else you're serving. And they got an opportunity to wash this woman's feet. Even though she is mentally ill and she forgot it the next day, that was the moment they were able to show the love of God in a practical way. Now, many of us may not have that opportunity, and that's okay, um, but God is going to give you opportunities, and it may not look like that. It may not look like a homeless shelter or working in some nonprofit, but God gives us opportunities every day to wash people's feet. Let me explain what I mean by that. You know, this idea that Jesus um, says, first of all, we started with Jesus wants you to experience life in all its fullness, right? We all want that. We want to make a difference with our one and only life, right? Now listen to what he says. Verse 17 is really interesting. If I were to ask you, do you want to be blessed in your life? Of course you do. I do too. We all want to be blessed, right? What does Jesus say in verse 17? After he did all these things, he washed his disciples' feet. He said this. Now, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you 
do them. Do them. Not think happy thoughts about them. Not just have a Bible study and understand the Greek word for serving. Not just post on Instagram about all these inspirational thoughts, even though that's kind of fun. No, no, no. He said you'll be blessed if you do them. There's an action implied. We've got to do something. We've got to follow in Jesus' footsteps. It's not about what we get out of life. It's about what we give through our life that matters. And Jesus gave us the ultimate example of that. So I thought as we close today, I just want to make sure we get really practical. You know, sometimes we hear great messages, and, and as soon as you walk out of there, you got your cell phones buzzing with Facebook updates and ESPN updates, and you, we would forget, right? So I'm thinking, I want to be really, really practical with all of us. As we start a brand new year, what's some ways that you and I can be foot washers in every application of that term in very practical ways. All right, so one of the people that really inspired me of how practical she was was Mother Teresa. You know, she was so practical as you think about her ministry, right? Um, in fact, many people asked her, how in the world did you get involved with what you did? Because um, many of you know this, but in case you don't, didn't, her main ministry was this. She would just see people that were dying that maybe were covered in leprosy or, you know, were left to dead or abandoned for whatever reason because they had deformities or whatever. And her job was to give them as much dignity before they died as they possibly could and sometimes take care of them and heal them and bring them back to life in a sense. But that was her ministry, right? And so people would ask, how in the world did you get into this? This is really not fun work. And I'll never forget the story, um, what she said. She said that when she first started this ministry, she saw a young girl that was just covered in sores. And she decided to pick her up because someone had left her, basically to die. And she's like, I just picked that little girl up. And I want to make sure that she knew that she was loved by God. That before she died, that she knew someone cared for her, that someone loved her. And she did die. So after that, I picked up hundreds of people. I picked up people... I can't even remember all the people I've picked up, but it started with one little girl. And I share that uh, because it just starts with one, seeing a need and meeting it. Now, I, I know that I share that story and I risk this. Here's what I risk. I risk that you may hear that and say, oh, well, Rob, what Rob's saying is I've got to go work at a homeless shelter or go to a food pantry or move to India and work with Mother Teresa. You know, um, I don't want you to walk away thinking that. Now, maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Do it, you know? But I'm saying that's not the only way you can wash feet. This can get really practical right where you are. In fact, you know what's interesting? A lot of people will hear Mother Teresa and they'll come up to her and say, hey, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm so inspired with your work. I'm gonna quit my job. I'm moving to India and I'm gonna be part of your work. And you know what Mother Teresa would tell them? Like, no, don't move. No, I don't want you to come to India. I want you to take whatever you've learned and apply it to your life right now, right where you live. Where do you live? Who's your family? Serve them right now with the same kind of love. Don't come to India. Do it in your home. Like, whoa, wait a second. Wow. But she, she got it. The idea is not so much going to some dramatic or, or even a, a, a overly special way. Uh, sometimes serving is just really practical and not glamorous at all. You may not have a church video about your mission trip about the ways God wants to serve. He wants you to serve, and that's okay because meeting people's needs doesn't have to be glamorous, doesn't have to be dramatic, but it does have to be real. And the good news is there's all kinds of needs all around us. In fact, I'll, I'll share you a story. I'm kind of a little embarrassed to admit this, but here's just a story of a real practical way that God reminded me of the importance of serving. So we had a special event at the Christian Center 
one particular night, and it was late. It was during the winter, and it was a wonderful event. It was a great success and, and really went well. But, you know, I was the last one there. I want to make sure everyone was gone, and I was about ready to just turn the lights off, go home. It was, it was late. I wanted to get home to my wife and my kids, and I was really tired. And, and again, it was a great event, but I was ready to go home. And so as I'm leaving, I'm walking through the room, and I see that the garbage cans has not been, have not been emptied. And there was four of them, and they were huge garbage cans, really, really big ones. And we had a lot of food and a lot of stuff that were filled in those trash cans, and all of them were filled to overflowing. And I thought, no, that's the last thing I want to do. I just want to go home, right? You've had those experiences. Like, I'm the only one here. I could leave it for someone tomorrow morning, but it would smell up the room, and then they have the dirty job, the person in the morning, you know? So I reluctantly, honestly, I reluctantly said, okay, I'll take the trash out. Um, now, you can feel sorry for me a little bit because, um, <laughs> but because we're at the top level in the Christian Center. If you know our building, you have to go two flights of stairs down, and our back parking lot literally it becomes black ice at night because it, the snow may melt a bit during the day, but at night it freezes, and it's black ice. So you have to come down the stairs with these heavy bags, and you have to shimmy around, you know, kind of slip and slide all the way to the trash can, and then toss it into the big trash can, right? That's, that's the process. So I started doing that, and I had a couple, as I'm tossing it, rip, and all this wonderful liquid just spilled all over me. I just loved it. It smelled so good. So happy to serve in that way. And as I'm in the midst of this little temper tantrum, um, uh, God just reminded me, Rob, uh, do you remember what I did for you? This is not that big of a deal. And he was right, of course. It's, just taking the trash out. It's not that big of a deal. Why was I so upset about it? Why was I so frustrated? And what I find when it comes to our spirituality, it sometimes is really basic, like everyday things that sometimes for whatever reason we have a hard time doing. I think we think, oh, spiritual, oh, I need to go over to India and do something really dramatic for God, and that's really spiritual serving. No, it's like taking the trash out. It's like emptying the dishes. You know, it's really basic stuff. It's like keeping this toilet seat down. If you're guys, I mean, come on, just really basic stuff, right? It doesn't have to be that complicated. So practically, how can we do this? I want to give you some ways. All right, so let's just think about what did Mother Teresa do? She saw a need, and she met it. What would Jesus do in his ministry? He saw a need, he met it. So we can see needs and we can seek to meet them. All right, so let's just be really practical. Here we are in Capital Church. Some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you are new. Some of you have been coming, you know, maybe a few months or a couple of years. But what I love about this is here we are in the same church, Capital Church. And you just heard earlier Kelly talk about all the wonderful opportunities to serve here. There are needs right now that the staff could love some help with. So look at the needs out there. Go on the website, check it out, see what the needs are. You can become a greeter. Uh, you can help with the coffee, and you actually can kind of taste it ahead of time and get really like, you get a little jittery maybe by the end, but you can taste all the coffee and then serve it, you know? Um, you can help in the kids' ministry. Maybe you need coffee before you do that. So, um, but there are opportunities here to serve at Capital Church. There are needs right here in this church that I know the staff would love if we were to serve. That's one thought. Your home, okay, let's go back. Where do you live? Do you live with a spouse? Do you live with your kids? Do you live with a roommate? What are their needs? Have you stopped and thought, what are their needs? Not so much about what your needs are. What, what are their needs? Start meeting them. I guarantee if I talk to your spouse, they probably have 10 things that they could have you do. And uh, so what are those needs? So start there. Then you can start thinking about your neighbors and your community and your city and this state. And yeah, start thinking about the world. Absolutely. Dream big. But start right where you live. That's where you live out your faith.
That's where you live it out, right where you live, right in your own room, your own house, your own backyard, all right? So that's the first thing is start to see, look for needs and seek to meet them. Now, here's the second thing. Um, I know a lot of you actually already do that. You volunteer at nonprofits. You volunteer at the Capitol Church. You do a wonderful job. And I want to applaud all of you that are already serving, already giving back, already giving of your time and your talents to those around you. It's awesome. You may be at a place where you're hearing this and it's 2017 and you really want to be even more focused. You, maybe you would like to have even a greater impact with your life. You're trying to figure out, God, what do you, do you want more from my life? What else do you want from me? So here's some questions I would encourage you to ask this year and this day uh, if you want to kind of go to the next level. Uh, so first question would be, what talents and abilities have God, has God given to me that I could use for him? What kind of experiences have I gone through that are unique to me? What kind of educational experiences? What kind of life experiences? What kind of painful experiences? I firmly believe that God doesn't allow anything to happen in your life that he just want to use for good to point people to God, to help others. So maybe you've gone through some painful experiences this last year in 2016. Could be that God is preparing you to help those who are gonna go through the same thing or are going through the same thing right now. What are those experiences for you? What gets you fired up? What are you passionate about? What do you wake up in the morning just not, just so excited to do? Or what do you watch in the news and get so angry about? They may be something underneath there that God has placed in your heart that God wants you to do something about. I don't know what it is for you, but start asking those questions. I do know this, that God wants to use you to make a difference in this world. God has hardwired you to make a difference with your unique talents, your unique abilities, your unique personality, your unique education experience, because God has things for you that maybe you've never even dreamed of. And maybe this year in 2017, you can start living that out and understand what that is. One of my quotes that I, I'm sure I've shared this with you before, but still one of my favorite quotes, and it's worth sharing one more time. It's by Frederick Beekner. This is what he says when it comes to kind of finding God's will for your life. Frederick Beekner says this, the place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I'll say that again. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and your experience and your talents and your painful challenges and your passion and the world's deep hunger meet. Where that comes together is probably a pretty good idea of maybe what God's calling you to do. So as we close today, here's what I want you to do is I want you to pull that card out one more time. So pull out the card now that you filled out of the needs you would like someone to do for you. All right, you ready? So grab your card. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to exchange it with the person in front of you, behind you, next to you, but exchange it with someone else. Go ahead and take your card and exchange it with somebody else. If you want to scribble out your name, do that quickly. <laughs> no, just kidding. All right, so exchange that. Go ahead and read the card real quick. Just take a second. Are you reading the card? <laughs> How many people need marriage counseling right now? Um, <laughs> It is available after the service. Uh, just kidding. Kind of interesting, huh? Okay, so I've got two more minutes and we'll close. So here's what I want you to do. Um, we've got one more step in this. So number one, make sure you do read through it and lock it into your brain of what the needs were and are listed on that card. Now, the purpose is this. It's not that you have to serve that person necessarily or meet those exact needs. You don't have to. Uh, now, you can if you want to, but that's not the point. The point is realizing there are needs out there, and God's called you to meet needs around you. 
Not just to kind of to jog your memory to think, that's right, there's more needs than just my needs out there. So think about that. And then here's the last thing I want you to do. As you leave today, there'll be buckets at each door and just drop that card in the bucket. Here's the reason why the, the church leaders here at Capitol want to know what the needs are and best respond to them and pray for them. So we'd like to gather them actually for that reason. Um, so if you do have anything personal, maybe grab the card right now because uh, it's going to go into a bucket. Um, but no, really, we, the church wants to be responsive to the needs of this church uh, as we do this collectively. But here's the bottom line. As you walk out of here today, we started with New Year's resolutions. We started thinking and asking the question, what do we want 2017 to be about? My prayer for myself and for all of us is that we would know this year, perhaps more than any other year, that it's not about what we get out of life, but what we give through our life that matters. I mean, what if when we walk out of these doors, what if this year Christ followers really, truly are known, not so much for their political views or, or their buildings or their programs, but what if we as Christ followers were known more than anything else this year? for being people that sought to meet the needs of those around them as an expression of God's love. I think that would make a difference in this community. It would make a difference in Salt Lake. It would make a difference in this state. I really believe that. So may we be people that seek to meet the needs of those around us as God sees fit as an expression of his love for them. Maybe so with all of us. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for... Uh, Thank you for how much you love us. Thank you, God, for giving this challenge to us again. And most of all, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, who gave us the example of someone who gave everything, not just washed our feet, but literally put his hands stretched out and gave his life for everyone in this room and the entire world. God, thank you for your love. May your love and the example of service through your son, Jesus, may it motivate us, may it inspire us wherever we are in our spiritual journey that we'd want more of that, that we'd want to follow that, that we want to receive the invitation and accept the invitation to follow you, Jesus, into the, all the adventures you have for us. And as we do that, may we be people who don't want to focus on what we can get out of life, but what we can give through our life. May, may that mark and shape and characterize this community this year in 2017. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, before we get you out of here, there is some homework. Uh, we got to give homework. Troy always does, so I'm going to give some homework. All right, so two quick books. They're not up here on the screen, but you can write them down or look on your phone with them. The first one is a book called Follow Me, Follow Me by David Platt. He's the author of a book called Radical. Many, maybe many of you have read that book, Radical. Great book. It's kind of a follow-up book, if you will. And it's really asking the question, how do we follow Jesus in today's world? It's called Follow Me by David Platt. The second one, it's an older one, but it is a classic called Church of Irresistible Influence. It's by Bob Lewis. Church of Irresistible Influence by Bob Lewis. Short story is, he was a pastor, he is a pastor of a church in Little Rock, Arkansas, and the church asked one simple question. What if we as a church said, what are the needs in this community, and what if we did everything we could to meet the needs of that community? As opposed to being too focused on how, what do we do to bring people into our church? No, they said, what could we do to meet the needs of this community? It literally transformed their church, transformed Little Rock. It is a fantastic book. Recommend it. Church of Irresistible Influence by Bob Lewis. And then finally, the uh, big idea that I've been talking about, about, not, about getting 
what you get out of life, but what you give through your life, that little image will be available. You can put it on Instagram. That is okay, uh, as long as you live it out. So my prayer for all of us, all of us today, that you would do everything in your power with God's strength to not focus on what you can get out of life, but what you can give through your life. In so doing, you begin to meet the needs of those around you as an expression of God's love for them. Thanks for listening. You've been a great audience. Troy's going to come on up. Troy, you up here? There he is. He snuck behind me there. Please stand. We got some work to do, don't we, friends? It's good, it's good work. It's God's work. So let's not procrastinate. Let's get on it, even before the day's out. Whom can you serve today? Let me tell you about next week. Next week we begin a new message series. Uh, we're going to look at another book of the Bible, the book of the New Testament. We will be in this series for about six months. That's not an exaggeration, and I bet you believe me. Next week, we begin a verse-by-verse study of the New Testament epistle of James. Now, if you're not familiar with James, I encourage you to take a look at it. Five short chapters. Give it a read this week. What you're going to be looking for is wisdom. The apostle James offers us wisdom for everyday life. And uh, I think we all have a few things we'll need to learn as we journey through that book together over the next several months. Uh, if you came with a need, make sure you make your way up here before the service is out. Maybe there's, there's, there's uh, something that snapped loose in your life this week. If you'd like to receive prayer, ask one of our friends right here at the front of the stage to pray for you before you head out. Also, be safe. Get into your car. We had a crew of folks salting the walkways, but they obviously couldn't make it all the way through the neighborhood. So be careful as you walk. And help each other, right, uh, as you, you get where you need to go. My prayer for you, all of you is this. May 2017 be a year in which your giving exceeds your getting. May God open your eyes so you can see meaningful, creative ways to serve the people around you. Thanks for being here today. Grace and peace.